My name is Art. I am an alcoholic. Paul makes a roundup every now and then. <laughs> he was out to the hillbilly group there in Orchard Park about a month ago when he corralled me. I haven't, I've been over here. I was over here probably five years ago. But to qualify myself, I uh, attended my very first meeting, my entrance to AA, June 6, 1965. And two years later, I picked up my last drink. I had gone back out. But I won't tell you about that now because it's part of my story, as you will hear. I, I was probably the type of individual... They tell me that Christopher Columbus was an alcoholic. And, and they said that uh, the reason being that he had all the characteristics of the alcohol, of alcoholism, like myself, is that when he left home, he didn't know where he was going. And when he got there, he didn't know where he was. When he got back, he hadn't known where he had been. And a woman paid for the whole deal. And, and that's about the way I am. I was very fortunate, though, to uh, find the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, when I did find it. And it's, believe me, it wasn't a day too soon. I was the type of individual. I come from a large Irish Catholic family down in the Pennsylvania. There was never any mention, there was a lot of mention of drinking, but there was never any mention of alcoholism or alcoholics or dysfunctional individuals or anything else throughout the relationship. In fact, a drop of a hat, you'd have a party. I mean, it was one of them deals. And I always said that I was the first one in, in, in our family, to uh, come through the doors of AA, but believe me, I haven't been the last one. There's... Uh, there's enough in there now to start our own group, uh, they're, and they're all over. In fact, uh, several of them are in my own family, a couple of my children. But uh, my drinking didn't originate or start uh, that much down in Pennsylvania because you had to actually be 21 to take a drink, and I had left there at age 20 to go into the military. I believe that I had... Uh, Jeez, I must have sampled uh, beer or something prior to that, but very little experience at it. Uh, there was very little drinking in the house as far as my mother and father. Uh, in fact, I would remember that they would get uh, a quart of Budweiser every other Friday night and a little bit of sharp cheese, and they'd split it. My daddy gets sick. Uh, that was about the extent of the, the alcohol drinking around the house. But there was numerous constant parties throughout the entire relationship. But I had left there, I went into the military and uh, at a, uh, as I say, 20 years old, went into the Air Force. And I recall at that time, you know, I, I uh, it's all in hindsight, but I look back since I've been in the fellowship of AA Although I hadn't had any alcoholic beverages or drugs or anything else, uh, hell, I had problems. I, I was a born problem. I, this is, I was a natural for this whole thing. And I went into the military, 
went through basic training and routinely like everybody else and then got out of basic training and jeez, uh, I, I guess the first few nights I got out uh, and, and started hitting the, uh, the taverns and the gin mills and that uh, bit of so, uh, had social uh, drinking and uh, had gone on for years with they were able to hold it and, and handle it. Man, I couldn't from day one. Man, this hit me like a ton of rocks. I knew, I know now that then there was something wrong. Because I, Jesus, I, I just didn't drink uh, like normal people drank. Uh, God, I drank to get drunk. And I got drunk and I got drunk fast. And I got screwed up. Uh, and they talk about blackout drinking. Apparently, and they taught me that in here. I, I must have had a lot of that, though. But I stayed in the military because I found it was quite a protector of an individual like myself. I was able to do and get away with a lot of the things uh, at that time that uh, I don't think I could have gotten away with out here uh, in industry or anything of that nature. So I stayed in the military and proceeded to drink and this, about a year later in 51, in 51, uh, I recall driving a car from down at Sampson Air Force Base. Uh, I wasn't from this area, I was from down in Pennsylvania. I was driving a car from, I left Sampson and where five and 20 separate, uh, some of you know where the circle is, you come down the foot of the hill. That's the last thing I remember and I woke up in uh, emergency hospital the next day. Now, they said I'd, I had an accident. Uh, I'm sure there was booze involved, but uh, uh, to this very day, I, I, could, I can't even resurrect what did occur other than I had my, my medical in the hospital uh, who was in nurse's training at the time and later to become my wife uh, and still my wife today after 39 years and seven children and 13 grandchildren later and still my wife but uh, as a result of AA but that uh, set me on a path right then of uh, I guess probably the first accident associated in any way with my drinking or my performance or past performance or how I was acting I got out of the hospital, naturally the 10 days recuperation or whatever, they, back to the military I went. And this didn't stop the drinking. The drinking proceeded and of course uh, I made more frequent trips to, to Buffalo because my wife was from, originally from South Buffalo. And uh, I continued to come up here and two, two years later we were married. But this, again, then, uh, she didn't know anything about this drinking deal, uh, my drinking deal, and I didn't know anything about it. Really, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that I didn't know. I didn't know I had a problem. Oh, hell, I thought this was normal. So the, uh, I was transferring us all over Hell's Half Acre, over Korea and back, and had come. Oh, and the uh, military didn't think they could use me anymore, so they returned with the military because I had over eight in at the time. And uh, we, uh, we settled, of all places, for a name 
like Fitzpatrick to settle with, with well, you all know the Jen Mills in South Buffalo. <laughs> Uh, Mary wanted to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for some of the kids, and I come back the next day. Uh, my physical condition with the military and the government, I know today was uh, the body, and both attributed to that. They didn't attribute it to a, a self-inflicted deal, but they, they attributed it to a service-connected disability out at the time. And, uh, hell, I've been better off without it anyway. I've uh, been well ever since. But uh, a lot of that had to do with the way... I was drinking, sleeping in cars, and the type of life that I had been leading, uh, I, I attribute a lot of it to the abuse that I was giving myself. But uh, in 63, we moved out to uh, from South Buffalo. We bought a house on East Aurora. I actually believes this. <laughs> and I did too, I guess. So we bought a large old tourist home out in East Aurora there on 16, right in the village. Big sick house. Uh, I recall no longer just a, you know, a, a need for a drink or something. Pleasure. And what I would do, I'd tell Mary, look, I've got to run down to Tinny Lumber down the mill. Wallow in the corner there on Oakwood Avenue on one of the back streets in East Aurora. In fact, I'll tell you how bad it was when I moved to East Aurora. I didn't know Walla Wines was a tavern for five months. Uh, I was still, I didn't want to open a beer up or, or have a drink at the house that early in the morning. And the only other way, it would just start, you know, I'd be opening a can of worms. And we'd be fussing the rest of the day. I'd, t I'd tell her, and I'd tell her I was going to get panoing nails. You know, the old just run down there, run in Walla Wines, have four quick doubles, run in a lumber company, get the nails, run in Walla Wines, four quick doubles, get back home, and smell the whiskey. <laughs> now then, the eight, the eight hit me. Now, so many times I got blasted before noon had to lay down for a couple hours, same damn thing, and it went on and on and on. There's a lot of incidents that I can recall and I won't bring into the drunkalogue here tonight about time in the service, uh, flying, coming back from overseas, getting put off an airplane in Salt Lake City. I mean, who, who the hell ever got put off? I mean, geez, some of the things that I had done, and I'm not very proud of today, they're good remember wins. Uh, I, I won't get into, but... Uh, to, to just highlight, uh, for example, there in East Aurora, I, I give you an example. Along, the children were coming along, and I, w I was always saying that I wasn't depriving you of anything. The kids have shoes. The kids are eating. My God, you got a house. What more do you want? All you're, all you're doing is complaining. And, and Mary really didn't know. She really didn't understand this alcoholism or anything about it. She had never heard of Al-Anon. And it reminds me of an Al-Anon story, I'll tell you. Uh, this Al-Anon story is that this, uh, this woman couldn't take any more of the husband. And he couldn't take any more of the drink. And he couldn't quit. So this morning he goes in the bathroom... And she says, Lance, what are you doing in there so long? He says, I'm committing suicide. I turn on the gas. And I'm going to sit in here until I die. She says, well, would you please put the rug or a towel by the door? You're making the cat sick. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and that's about the type of sympathy I had or got or received when Mary first went to Al-Anon. But, and I'm glad I did. But along in, uh, through the winter, coming into the spring of 65, prior to my knowing anything of, that, of AA, and things were bad. I was, I was in pretty tough shape. Hell, I, I came in here weighing 101 pounds and, uh, on my last leg. Uh, but uh, there was a good friend of ours who lived on the street, a gal by the name of Bessica. Her, her father was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Some people here know, Jimmy knows him, Frank. His name is Art Buchanan. Art's dead now 10 years. He was my original uh, sponsor. And uh, I used to go down to Gracie's on a Sunday morning to see her husband, Howard, because I knew I could get a beer down there. Taverns weren't open. I didn't want to open there. Art, four doors, and when that had happened to her, and she came in the house, she says, Oh, Gracie's father's in AA. So somehow the connection was made, and Art took me to, I remember a fellow there by the name of Jimmy Campbell, who later moved to Florida, and he said, how long have you been in now? And he said, 18 years. 18 years, what the hell is he going to tell me about drinking? I had a drink today. But at any rate, I, w I was under, once Mary found out that there was something could be done for this action, uh, the, the problems, the situations that I was causing uh, around the house, uh, oh, she almost, it was almost like a forceful deal. Did you call Art? Get a hold of Art, you know, one of these deals. Well, I, I went to AA, not that I wanted to, uh, believe me, because I, I, I really didn't know. I, so I went to that Williamsville group. Uh, Friday night, I went to the Hillbilly group. We meet in the police station in Orchard Park. And they've been meeting in that same room, in that police, uh, for 46 years out there. So it's, it's the fourth or fifth oldest group on the frontier. I recall going to the meetings there at Orchard Park, and they would redo how it works. If you want what we have, I, I want what he has, that I, I, I would compare that I didn't want what they had. I and geez, that's a long, that's, that's a miracle in itself. I had not variety only maybe the first year of my life. Uh, and of course, art sort of was weaning me and telling me I should get to meeting uh, and, and he would have things to do uh, so I went over to a meeting in uh, Lancaster New York with group and there was Jim S who died about a month ago and lefty they were going to have their second anniversary meeting and the speaker was going to be from Cold Springs his name was Ike Anderson I'd write break Ike's anonymity. Ike's been deceased a number of years now. And 
Some of the things that they had told me in the five previous months was art. Try to identify, man. Find one person you can identify with. Find, I mean, some people in there. Identify with the common denominator of the booze. Never mind you're not as old, you're not as young, you're not as big, you're not as strong, you're not as wealthy. Just try and find that common denominator of booze and try and identify. So I went to that meeting that night over there in Lancaster, New York. And this fellow got up and his name was Ike Anderson and I had not prior to that met a black man in AA. In fact, there was only one woman that I had known in AA, Jenny Yates. She's deceased. She belonged to the Hillbilly Group. And I, I thought Jenny only came there to check on her kids. I didn't know she was an alcoholic. Oh, uh, she used to tell stories about packing lunches for the, her railroading sons. But I went over to that meeting and this fellow, they introduced him and he got up to speak and he says, my name is Ike Anderson and I'm an alcoholic and I spent, I don't know how many years in Atlanta prison for killing a woman with an automobile. And I was sitting back there as far back as I could get and I said to myself, they People like him should be in AA. <laughs> they should. I mean, that, that's... He's black. He's probably unemployed. <laughs> I can understand. He was in prison. He had auto, automobile accidents. I can see why he's in AA. And he should be. And I was drunk before I got home. Before I got back to East Aurora. I had stopped in a tavern. And for the next 29 months, and I couldn't put 30 days together, the best part of that 29 months is I never stopped going to meetings. I'd go to a meeting and drink on the way home. I wouldn't drink on the way to the meeting. Art would call me and say, you want to make a meeting tonight? i said, say, yeah, Art. Or if he'd pop in at the house. He, he, he was such an individual. He knew me inside out backwards. I didn't know him that way, but he knew me. He'd pop into the house. I'd say, geez, I went out again last night. He said, don't worry about it. That was yesterday. He said, let's say a little prayer. I worked today. Just today. Never mind yet. To hell with yesterday. Let's work today. Let's go forward from now. Right now. And geez, it worked for me. But for the next 29 months, Jeez, I took this thing from pillar to post. I almost got to the point in my own beliefs that this thing would work for you and you and you and you. But I thought this was the way I was going to be living. And uh, because really, all my brothers and sisters were living this way. Our family down in Pennsylvania, hell, they were now they were in AA. They were all drinking every day, getting sick and getting over it and drinking again. And I was pulling the same thing. Fortunately enough, through all this, uh, although the program has given me a, an altogether different understanding of a God of my understanding, which I, I will not stand here and impose on anybody else, my beliefs, but uh, fortunately enough, I had never lost 
apparently that there was a God, that there, uh, a supreme being, a higher power. Uh, I separated from it. Uh, hell, uh, the type of God that I, I was thought that existed uh, was put into me by the St. Joseph nuns as a, in grade school. And uh, believe me, I was on my way to hell on roller skates long before I reached AA. Uh, I thought I'd done it all, and there was no chance. Forget it. It's over. But, uh, but you taught me here in AA that uh, it's not that way. You taught me that, uh, that things can be different. But through continuing to go to meetings, that 29-month period, uh, something had to rub off. Uh, at a meeting one night, uh, a hillbilly meeting over there in Orchard Park, it seems to me there was a fellow from Gowanda there that had said this to me. I was going to say I had another slip. You know, these slips, I had them every, every month. And I said, I, uh, and I this, and, and I, he said, wait a minute. Can I say something? He said, hell, this ain't an I program. This is a we program. Get on us, man. And, and that apparently had a, a something to do with this turnaround at about that period in my life because it was only a couple days later that and art was around all the time it was only a couple days later that uh, and things weren't too good at home uh, as you would know uh, because I Mary's living with all this uncertainty uh, hell she'd go to an Al-Anon meeting I'd go to a, a uh, uh, I mean and she never knew what to expect or when to expect it or how to expect it. God, there was so many times that uh, the Easter Aurora police would pick me up uh, and take me home. They didn't give me a ticket. Uh, they apparently knew. Uh, the guy's got a booze problem. Uh, park the car. I said, I can drive. Just let it sit. Just don't even move it. Get in here. They'd take me home and they'd go and get the car. Or they give me the keys and say, get it in the morning. And I never, fortunately enough, to today, I look at it now, I never had a ticket. I should have had, my God, uh, I, I should have been locked up. I know that one time I came back from South Buffalo, apparently wanting to stop, wanting to get caught, wanting to, to, to get this monkey off my back or whatever it was. Now, I could have taken a left there to Circle on East Aurora and went right up Oakwood Avenue, took another left, two doors, and I'm in my yard. I went up Main Street, and I take a right on Payne Street. That's on the corner where the police station is. Run up over their lawn, back down onto the street. <laughs> up over the curb, cross their lawn, and back down on the street. They come out chasing me. They took me home. <laughs> Mary, Mary said, you damn fools, you. Yeah, I mean... Why don't you lock them up? And, and I didn't know that. Why? Geez, I was lucky. But I, a, a story that uh, happened a few years after AA.
Mary answered the phone, and, and uh, they said, said the East Aurora police want me. So I get on the phone, and he says, uh, Art, we've got a guy up here that used to be like you were. Could you come up and get him? <laughs> so I got up, and I went in the back door of the police station <coughs> to where their desks and that are in the back. And he said, didn't you see him? He's standing at the front door. I thought, oh, you damn fools didn't let somebody get out of here. He was gone. And I don't blame him. I would have been too. You let me stand at the front door wait on an alcoholic. I'm gone. And this guy was gone, and that was it. But, you know, he finally did get into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. It wasn't through any of my joints, but he did. But uh, things weren't going too well at home. Although I wasn't drinking, somebody turned something around over there at that hillbilly group meeting. And our oldest son, Jim, was... Uh, graduating uh, Orchard Park uh, Easter or High School and he wanted to go away to school to uh, St. Joe's in Albuquerque and, uh, he claimed he wanted to go away to you know because it was St. Joe's and it was quite a school he wanted to get away because of the, the conditions at home and I don't blame him so Art came in that day and we were telling him that uh, this is 10 o'clock in the morning, Art came in. Hey, you never knew when he was going to drop in. Just a, a tremendous individual. He dropped in. He said, uh, we were talking about Jim going away to Albuquerque to school. He says, well, why don't you and Mary ride him out there? He said, wait a minute. I'll get you a trip tick. I belong to AAA. I'll go get you some map. So out of the house, out of the drive. Half hour later, Art's back there and he says, come on in here. He spreads that map out on the living room floor. He says, now, here's what you're going to... And I was a sarcastic, yeah, ignorant uh, individual. <laughs> but he felt he hasn't had a drink for a while. And if I can get him in the car with Mary, they got to talk, learn to get along. That's a long trip. And he won't drink with her there. So he spreads that map out on the floor. And he said, uh, now you'll, you'll head west. You'll head, look, go over here to Hamburg. And then you'll go Erie, Cleveland, on up Indianapolis. And he's headed west on this trip. And Mary said, oh, you go through Tulsa? And he said, yeah, you'll go right through Tulsa. She says, well, that's where Oral Roberts University is. That's where the prayer tower is. I said, never mind, Oral Roberts, you're Catholic. <laughs> Oral Roberts, you're... So that gives you a sampling of how dry I was, <laughs> not how sober. So we left home. We took the youngest son and the oldest son and somebody babysitted the other ones, and we're setting out for Albuquerque. And things seemed to go along all right. And I distinctly remember, almost as if it were yesterday or today, it was at noon, and we need gas, we get off, we're in Tulsa, Phillips 66 station. I says to the fellow, it's noon. Or is there a decent restaurant around here to get a good sandwich? And I don't want any of these Burger Kings. 
you know, something home cooked. He said, Oh, right down there in that, see a little plaza? It's called the whatever it was, so we went in this little plaza. So we ate, geez, it was a nice home cooked place, a diner effect. Geez, the waitress is all bubbly and smiley. Wife is too. The only one it wasn't was Art. My wife, I always call her Big Mouth for that, she said uh, to the waitress, Where's Oral Roberts? She said, Oral Roberts? Huh, you have, right there, look out the window. See that? She said, Oh, you've got to go over there. And I figured, Oh, geez, I got to go over there. Well, I did have to go over there to keep any peace in the family. There would have been no peace the rest of that trip. So we went to Oral Roberts, and it was too damn hot to stay outside, so I went inside with her. Went up in the prayer tower, up to the fifth floor. Geez, they meet us. They open the elevator. Here's two or three people, beautiful black gal there that's going to escort us on a tour. First fellow introduced himself. Hi, I, uh, I'm trying to think of this guy's name on TV. It wasn't he, but the same name. Introduces himself. And the gal says, would you like to take a tour of Oral Roberts? And I said, no, no. And I thought a tour was walking around some army base. I knew what a tour was in the Air Force. <laughs> but their tour, she says, well, fine, follow me. I said, gee, she misunderstood me. I said, no. <laughs> so we're following her. We go into this little auditorium. Sets about 200 people, small auditorium. She says, the tour will be on slides, and it will be dark in here momentarily, and the tour will be on the screen. Fine. It got so dark, and then when she turned out those lights, I'll tell you, I couldn't, you couldn't see nothing. And man, this slide, whew, sizes of this wall. Genesis, this the supreme being, God as I understand him, holding the entire universe. This is the first slide in the beginning. And it said, ask anything that you want in my name and it shall be granted to you. Um, we talk about spiritual experiences and spiritual awakenings. And I, hey, but I've never had to pick up another drink since that auditorium. I've often thought that I, I've spoke as a wise guy. I've often said that I could fall in a vat of wine and God wouldn't let me open my mouth. But I'm not foolish enough to quit going to AA. That's why I was at a meeting last night. And that's why I'm at a meeting here tonight. Because I need the people of AA. And I know by living example, and I can prove to you by living example, in this room, there are people that didn't take a drink today, so it works. I want to thank everybody.